The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. Excited to get into the Word this morning. Do you feel like time is flying by? Man, I feel like time is flying by. It's really hard for me to wrap my mind around uh, where we're at in in this year already. Uh, In fact, you know, there were all kinds of good intentions going into the new year that are now ancient memories, you know. And I'm not talking about resolutions where you think about, you know, making changes in your life or something like that, which, by the way, uh, if I would have made some resolutions, I would be very disappointed right now. You know, if you want to find out, like, how you're doing, uh, you, can, you can clean out your, your vehicle. Have you ever noticed that? So I have a, I have a, I have a work truck, right? So I, I spend a lot of time in that truck, and there are times where I'll, I'll look through my, my truck, you know, and I'll think, this is exhibit A in my trial where the charges against me are gluttony. I mean, I've actually pulled ice cream cartons out of the back seat of my truck before, and I'm thinking, when did I eat that? Oh, yeah, I remember. That was an awesome day, right? Because one day I was driving around, and I thought, why stop and eat something when you could just get ice cream? That's why I wanted the kids to stay in here, because this is important stuff. But you, you have all of these things uh, in your life that, that testify of, of, of uh, who you are based on where you've been and what you've done. And obviously, that doesn't always line up with who we are based on who we want to be. So I want to get into the Word today because I believe God's Word is present and powerful to transform us to who we're called to be. And if we just simply take a look at at the evidence in our everyday life, we can find ourselves uh, steeped in the mire of shame or, or, or disappointment or frustration. And the reality is God is seeing us through eyes of redemption. So I want to talk to you about that. We're going to get into that in just a moment. I want to give you a few things we're going to find in the Word. All of these things, we give thanks to God for His grace, that He's revealed them to us. We know He has wonderful purpose for these words. One, we're going to find why you never have to be afraid. Now, we've often talked about fear and its presence in our lives and what God has done to drive fear out by His love. Uh, we, we've spoken about those things in the past, and we'll speak about them again in the future. It's a very important uh, topic. It's a priority message. Uh, but this is, is why we don't have to be afraid. And, and we're going to find out what that is. A second thing that we're going to find is uh, what God has accomplished for his people. And that's you and that's me. I want to flip-flop those. We're going to find that one first, and we'll find the other one uh, second. And the third thing we're going to find is, is uh, how to get God into any situation. How to impart God into any situation, things that we deal with. So I gave those to you a little bit out of order. The first thing we're going to find is what God has accomplished for his people. I want to start there because we are his people and he's accomplished a great thing uh, for us and on our behalf. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open to the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. Now, Luke chapter 1 is a very long chapter. We're going to start reading in around verse 68. We've used this passage of Scripture a a, a number of times in the past when speaking on other topics, but I want to emphasize a a specific portion of it this morning as we get into the Word for what God has for us this morning together. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 68, it reads like this, Blessed be the Lord God Almighty 
the God of Israel, who has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. That's referring to Jesus, the source of salvation. As he's spoken by the mouth of his prophets of old from the very beginning, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all of those who hate us. God's done this to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his covenant, his oath, which he swore to Abraham. To grant to us that being rescued from the hand of our enemies, we might then serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness for all of our days. I mean, what you have here is this wonderful prophetic promise of why God is sending Jesus. But I want to emphasize something that we read early on in that passage of Scripture. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. I mentioned before one of the things we're going to find is what God has accomplished for his people. If someone were to ask me today, Preston, what has God accomplished for his people? Based on that passage of Scripture, my answer would be redemption. He's accomplished redemption for his people. So I want to ask myself then, do I understand what redemption is? If God's accomplished this for me, if he's accomplished this for you, do we know what that is? It's one, for, one thing for us to know the answer to that question as if it's a piece of trivia. It's another thing for us to understand what that is so that it can have an effect on our lives, on our thinking, on the words that we speak, on, on the attitudes that we have. What is redemption? Now, oftentimes when I think about redemption, I, I go into a, a mode of thought that attempts to be really you know, deep and, and profound, and I found that sometimes the, the most basic and simple revelations are the things where we have the most impact and depth. So there's a, a place where I see the word redeem a lot. And, and I remember as a kid uh, seeing it often, and it was not in, in the scripture or any holy text. Rather, it was in the Sunday newspaper in the coupon section. All right? Are you familiar with that? Do you remember that? I mean, we really don't cut out coupons anymore, do we? I mean, I, oftentimes you're sitting there trying to scroll through your phone maybe. But, but maybe there's still some of that. I still see advertisements and, and paper print and things like that. But I, I remember I would go shopping and, and it was my, my mother who did a lot of the shopping, and, and I was a, a, a child. I just have memories of going to different stores based on whatever coupons she had for that store. Where today, I'm just thinking, like, I don't have time for that, you know. I'm not going to drive all the way across town to save 10 cents on a can of green beans. I'm just going to buy them here, eat the 10 cents, and, and move on, right? But there was a, a mentality that was present in her to embrace redemption, to redeem that coupon. Now, when she took that coupon, she would go in there and she would select the item that was, that was to, desired, and then she would go to the checkout and she would let the person know, now I have a coupon for that, and they would say, oh, may I please have it? And then in that moment, she would dig through her purse and there would be a stack of them where she would thumb through them and find the one that she's looking for and she would hand it over. And I remember witnessing something. Now, I didn't realize what I was witnessing at the time. I just watched it and saw it go on. But now I think about it and I realize, wow, something happened there. There was a transaction where it wasn't about just discounting a price. It was about redeeming the coupon. It wasn't just saying, hey, bring this piece of paper in and we'll sell you those cheaper. It was, hey, bring this piece of paper in and when you buy that, we'll give you this back. 
It was redemption. It literally means to, to buy back. That was redeemed. That coupon was redeemed for 10 cents on every can of green beans or whatever it was. So now when I think about redemption, the concept in my mind, in my heart, because of that experience is to, to purchase back. And when I see what God's done through Jesus, I see just that, that he's accomplished redemption for his people. He's purchased us back. We were, were sold into bondage, into slavery, by our own actions, by our own will, by our own lusts. But God in his goodness and his generosity ransomed us or redeemed us by buying us back, purchasing us with the blood of Jesus. And this awareness, this understanding has a, a powerful effect on my heart and my mind for a couple of, of reasons. One, the manifestation of his love and generosity that he would pay the price to buy me back. That's a powerful revelation. To be loved, to be uh, cherished, to be valued, sets free from all of the belial of, of worthlessness and inferiority. Simply the awareness to know that, that God would love me enough to pay that price to buy me back. That he would see that there would be worth, that there would be value. Another wonderful and powerful revelation uh, falls under the understanding of possession. So, you know, let's just say back to the, the store there, the young kid with his mother, and she's buying a can of green beans. Once she has redeemed that coupon and it has been bought back, once, I mean, that coupon then now belongs to the store. It doesn't belong to her. They don't give it back. They keep it. When we were redeemed, now we are the possession of the Most High. That's a really powerful revelation. Now, the Word says this throughout the Word, that, that, that this understanding that's necessary for the believer is that we are not our own. Rather, we have been bought with a price. We are not our own. We've been redeemed. And I love the, the word used there, accomplished. Because accomplished, it means that it's done. I mean, it's, it's in the state of the past tense. It's not accomplishing. Rather, it's accomplished. He has accomplished this for his people. I mean, just this one sentence, you can sit and you can begin to soak in all of the truth and the revelation that's being revealed in this, all because of what God has done on our behalf in Jesus. The idea that we are his possession, that we have been bought and paid for, redeemed by the blood of Jesus, the truth and the revelation that this work is done, that it is complete. And now we can continue to see the purpose of this work. As we continue to read in that passage, we see that it's to purge our life from, from all fear and anxiety. Remember the, the last line that we read there, that being rescued from the hand of our enemies, we might serve God without fear in holiness and in righteousness. And when we've used this passage before, we've made this note, and I think it's important to make this note every time we use this passage, that fear, obviously, based on this passage, will compromise holiness and righteousness. That's the reason why God would get rid of fear from our lives, so that we could then serve him in holiness and righteousness. No wonder the psalmist would write things like, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? Because based on, on much of the, the, the gospel and its presentation that I've received since I was young, that passage would have been written, the Lord is my light and my salvation, my sins are forgiven. Well, that's a great statement, and I would embrace that for my life. But the psalmist had an understanding of what that meant to be redeemed, to be purified, to be made holy. That positioned the individual to be delivered from fear. 
opening the door for holiness and righteousness to prevail in all actions, all activities, all words and thoughts and attitudes, every part of our being. I want to give you a passage of scripture here. I mentioned we were also going to find why we never have to be afraid. Why we never have to be afraid. Uh, like I said before, we understand that there are things that drive out fear. Like the word says that, that perfect love casts out all fear. We know God is love. That would be what makes us uh, free from fear. But this is why. I want to give you the why. Not just the what, right, but the why. Uh, if I drove a nail into a board with a hammer, the, the what would be the hammer, but the why would be I'm building something, right? It's important for us to understand why this is the case, why this is, is happening, I want you to, to turn somewhere in your Bibles, the, the, uh, excuse me, the, the prophet Isaiah, I want to look at chapter 43. With all the prophecy in Isaiah, it might as well be the gospel of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 43. I want to begin in the very beginning there. It says, but now this is what God says. Your creator who made you informed you. Do not fear for I have redeemed you. There's something to underline, right? Do not fear. I have redeemed you. I've called you by name and you are mine. Do you see possession being attached to redemption there? You see identity being attached to redemption, called by name, you are mine. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you go through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given another as your ransom. That's referring to Jesus. Now here comes this why. Since you are precious in my sight, you are honored and I love you. I will give another in your place in exchange for your life. Do not fear for I am with you. When I read this passage of Scripture, you see all of this encouragement and all of this liberation from, from cares and anxieties that could easily overwhelm us and overtake us, the rivers that are being referred to that could sweep us away, the fires that are being referred to that could reduce us to, to nothing, to ashes. You see this deliverance from all of the fear and the anxiety and the reason why, because you are precious in His sight. Because you're honored and he loves you. You know, it, it might sound really trivial, but I think it's important for us to see those things. I, I would encourage us to even confess those things. I mean, it's real easy for the rivers to begin to rise or the flames to begin to be kindled against us. But the confession, to just let these things be understood and remind ourselves, I am precious in the sight of God. God has honored me offering Jesus in my place. He loves me. These are the truths and the, the revelations that are at the foundation of this freedom from fear and anxiety that in a word is redemption. Redemption being the understanding that God has, 
has found us to be precious, that God has decided and chosen to honor us, that God has manifest his love for us in offering Jesus in our place. The result being his instruction, therefore do not fear. You continue to read uh, through that chapter in Isaiah 43. You get down to around uh, verse 15 and, and you begin to see more things, more exciting promises that come. I want to read here uh, somewhere in that vicinity. Let's just say verse 15. I am the Lord, your, your creator, the Holy One, the King of Israel. This is what the Lord says. The Lord who makes a way through the sea. That word way means road, a path, and a path through the mighty waters. He brings out the chariot and the horse, the army and the mighty man. Those are all waging war against you. And they'll all lie down together and not rise up again. They've been quenched. They've been extinguished like a wick. I want to pause there for a second. Now, this isn't the point of where we're going to, but I think it's important to, to stop there. There are all kinds of voices and influences and situations and circumstances that are looking to overwhelm, consume, and destroy the believer's life. Some of those things are, are, are incidental. Some of those things are even self-inflicted. But the, the reality is those things can be present. Producing care and anxiety that has the, the ability to overwhelm the mind and the heart. Just like the, the word would use as an excellent example, like waters that would rise and then cause one to be swept away. But God's doing something in this passage of Scripture. He's making a way through those situations, a way in which you come out and your enemies don't. Now we see this, when we think of this, most of us will, will, will think of Exodus chapter 14 where the children of Israel are being led out of captivity and into the promises of God. And, and their, their captors are pursuing them in force to, to bring destruction upon them, to bring them back into captivity. And God does a wonderful and powerful thing, splitting the Red Sea in two, where all of the people of God pass through. And as the, those who are pursuing them to bring destruction chase after, the sea closes in on them. I mean, this, this is not just a, a, a movie or a piece of literature that is entertaining or, or, or just, you know, good fiction for good reading. This is real history. God's done this. Now, he goes on to say something here in Isaiah that I think is really encouraging, that I think is really uh, exciting. And I, I want us all to hear this, right? I mean, young or old, I'm, I'm glad to have some of the kids in here because I want you to hear this. After God talks about this, after he says, I'll make a way for you, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're facing, I can make a solution. There's no problem too big. There's no challenge too great that I can't give the solution to. I can make a way through that. He goes on to say this because it's very easy for us to say, well, that was then, but this is now. And if you've ever caught yourself thinking that, I want you to hear these next words loud and clear. God goes on to say, do not think about the former things or ponder the things of the past, but behold, I'll do something new. It will spring forth. Will you even be aware of it or see it coming? I'll make a way. When God's saying this, he's not just talking about something he did once upon a time. 
Rather, he's saying, hey, that thing I did once upon a time was meant to be an example so that you can understand and know what I'm capable of doing right here, right now. For you, in that thing that you're dealing with. You feel like your family situation is hopeless? I can make a way. Do you feel like your marriage is hopeless? I can make a way. Do you feel like your your business is is condemned? I can make a way. Do you feel like your ministry is, is fruitless? I can make a way. I mean, you can fill in any blank you want there. God can make a way. So I want to talk about, you know, God's way for just a moment. Because I think it's important to to discuss and identify a few things. Now, I want to give a few scriptures, and we're going to, to take a few liberties and draw some things from them. Let me give you a passage of scripture here. Uh, Psalm 77, it has a passage in it. I don't have the exact verse jotted down here. The, my notes are a little crude. You'll have to pardon me. But I want to give you the, the passage, and I want to emphasize a word in it as we identify, you know, what God's way is so that we can identify God's way when it comes to pass. Here's how it reads. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like you? You are the God who works wonders. You've made known your strength among your people. And you have by your power redeemed, there's that word again, those that are yours. There's possession. Now, I want to just emphasize a word here. We could talk about that whole passage and and spend much of our time together because of the the content there. There's tremendous uh, content there and, and wonderful depth. But there's a word there. As we want to be able to identify God's way, I think it's very uh, important for us to see those first uh, uh, few words, that first statement, your way, O God, is holy. As I'm looking for God's way to manifest in my life, I need to know that God's way will always be holy. So I think that means if I'm ever feeling like God's way is robbing a bank, uh, I need to go back to the drawing board, right? Not holy, shouldn't do that, that's not God. Obviously, that is a ridiculous example, but I want to just make that clear. God's way will be holy. When we're looking for God's way, we can identify God's way when those waters are parting, when when that roadway is being made manifest, it will be holy. Don't you think that's interesting when we talk about like the Exodus, when we referred to Exodus chapter 14, the people of God uh, leaving captivity and moving through the wilderness. I mean, God's way was holy. Do you know that God could have just told them, hey, you know what? Why don't you guys just pack your stuff and go? If they chase you, I'll knock them out. But rather God said, hey, go and have them release you. You're not fugitives. My way's holy. I'm not going to have a bunch of fugitives running out here. We're going to do this right. It's going to be clean, and no one will ever be able to say you're a bunch of crooks. His way is holy. I want to give you another identification here. And again, like I said, we take a couple of liberties here, but I think you get the picture. We want to be able to identify God's way. God's way may not be known or understood, and that can be uncomfortable. Let me give you a passage of Scripture here. Your way was in the sea, your paths in the mighty waters. Your footprints may not be known, but you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses. 
there's something about that passage of Scripture that I see, and I just think, wow, that's a really interesting thing to have written in there. Your footprints weren't known. We didn't, we didn't see this coming, but yet your way was there. I, I may not know what's going on. Don't you know when the people of Israel stood and the, the Red Sea parted, there wasn't a single person there that was like, oh, I've seen this before. This is cool. Watch this. But everyone there was like, oh, my God, what is going on? We've never seen anything like this before. I mean, I think it's important for us to understand that because when God's way comes to pass, sometimes we can be so steeped and rooted in our traditions and the way that we've always done things that I would not want to miss God's way should it be something that's completely outside of my comfort zone. And I can give you a number of examples. I mean, I've been to some church services where people ministered and and some found their ministry technique a bit unorthodox. And so they just sit. When, when the power of God was moving at the altar during the ministry time. Now, I'm not telling you that, that God can't overcome that or lead them through that. What I am telling you is that we need to be willing to move in God's ways, even if they make us uncomfortable. It's very easy for me to walk through that split sea when I can see the footprints of Jesus in front of me. But what if I can't see his footprints? God's way may not be something that we're comfortable with. But his way will lead to the fruits of redemption, that identity and that freedom from fear and anxiety, that that purpose that we spoke about earlier. I want to give you another passage of scripture out of the Psalms. I want to look at Psalm 5.8. It reads like this, O Lord, lead me in your righteousness, because there are enemies that seek me. Make your way straight before me. God's way will always be straight. I want to offer this as a a substitute for that word because we would use this word more common in our language. It'll be right. There's a reason why he's asking for righteousness and he wants righteousness to come through that way being straight. You could swap those words. I mean, you really could. You could say, oh Lord, lead me on a straight path because there are enemies that seek me. Make your way righteous before me. They're interchangeable. But God's way will always be right. Now, earlier we we talked about it always being pure and always being holy. And now this sounds very similar, and it really is very similar in that it will always be right. But I want to offer this to you. I mean, there are a number of pure and holy options, but there's only one right option. And God's way will be the right option. It will be the right option in any moment, in any situation, in any circumstance. And I think it's an important thing to take these that we're reading in the Psalms and make them our own prayers. What a wonderful thing to pray. Father, lead me in the right way. Lead me in the right way. I want to give you another passage here from the Psalms concerning the, the way so that we can understand what we're looking for when we watch God manifest his way in the things that we uh, walk through. Uh, Psalm 27, I want to read verses 11 and 12. Now, I love the first words to this because I think this is, is kind of what I was talking about a moment ago when I was saying this should invade our prayer life. This, this should affect how we, how we think when we pray and how we, we manifest those thoughts in our prayers themselves. The first words here, teach me your way. What a wonderful request. 
what a great thing to introduce into the, 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 our lives. I mean, whether it be the celebratory things that we enjoy or whether it be the, the trials or the things that, that we walk through that are, are testing. Teach me your way. And even that request in and of itself is a laying down of your own personal desires or your own personal way. It's a humbling of the heart. It's a confession that is saying, I don't want to do it my way. I'd rather do it your way. And it's very similar to what we hear when we hear Jesus pray, when he says things like, not my will, but your will. I want to offer this to you out of the Psalms 27, beginning in verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path, because there are enemies that are out to get me. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries. Now, this is one I mentioned before. Some of these we take a little bit of liberty in thinking about them. And, and I want to offer this as it concerns God's way. God's way will always be a level path, Okay. But I want to explain what that means, because if you just write that down in your notes, it might not have much of an impact. God's way will be a level path. But I want you to think about for a moment uh, any time you've ever walked on a, a level path. Now, I'm a bit of a, a, a pacer when I'm speaking or standing in front. It's really not out of any kind of nerves. It's because I love you. And I come over here and it's like, wow, I haven't seen you in so long. But I miss them. I got to go check on them. Wow, I love you. But now I miss them. And so I want to come see you. But as I'm walking from one side to the other, have you noticed this is a level path? If it weren't level, what would you deal with? You would deal with highs and lows and highs and lows. And if we say that, highs and lows and highs and lows, and then you ask yourself, is this situation level or is this situation filled with highs and lows? Are there good days and bad days? Are there good times and bad times? Are there times of stability and then times of instability? One of those is going to be level when it's consistent, and the other is going to be unstable. And this level path that is the way of God will be consistent. It's going to be consistent. When I think of the words of John the Baptist as he began to announce the coming of the Messiah, have you ever given much thought to his words? I mean, here's what they're not, right? I mean, if I were, were, were God and I were sending the one who was going to, to go before the Messiah, you know, here's the forerunner of Jesus, go and announce that, you know, here comes the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's, that's kind of the announcement I would have wrote. But, but the announcement that God sent through John the Baptist was prepare the way. Make every high place low and every low place high. Make straight or make level the way of the Lord. It's about getting consistent so that you're not holy and pious and righteous on Sunday and then perverse and twisted on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Consistency. Our choices and our decisions, our activities, our actions, our thoughts, our desires, our pursuits, all of those things being consistent. When God's way is introduced, it will be consistent. And as we ask God to teach us his way, we are asking God to introduce into our life consistency. God, teach me your way. So I'll quit doing it my way because my way is really inconsistent because I'm really fickle. Some days I'm on fire for Jesus and I am, am waging war against hell and other days I'm, I'm, I'm a little off. Teach me your way. 
I want to, to, to wrap up with a couple of passages here. And, and in these two passages, I want to, to have the point that, that we are getting to uh, emphasize greatly. And, and it's really, how do we get this way into our lives? I mean, obviously, it, there's a need for this. And when I consider, you know, the, 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 the people of God standing by the edge of the sea, waiting for God's way to be manifest, the word that I mention there is the word that's necessary. Waiting for God's word to be manifest. I mean, how many of those people could out of a panic just started swimming and said, oh my God, we're going to die, we got to go, you know? And then you find yourself bobbing, you know, 100 yards out and going under. But the, these people stood and they waited, trusting and believing and knowing that God would make a way, that his way would be holy, that his way might be uncomfortable to them, but they need to wait, that his way would be right, it would be the right thing to do, that his way would be consistent. That it would be consistent with delivering them from bondage, delivering them from slavery. Why would he deliver us from the whip and then bring us out here to get whipped? But he's going to be consistent. And so they wait. And when they wait, then the way manifests. And that which is consistent, right, and holy is spread out before them to pass through. I want to give you a passage of scripture here out of the Psalms. Psalm 37, I want to read verse 34. Psalm 37, verse 34. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. It goes on to speak of exaltation, inheritance, freedom from wickedness. But I want to offer that first part to you just to emphasize how we can see the way of the Lord manifest in our lives. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. I really don't see those things as, as two instructions. You know, instruction one, wait for the Lord. Instruction two, keep his way. What I really see is more of, of cause and effect. You know, when you wait for the Lord, the result is you'll be keeping his way. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. And the results will be exaltation, inheritance, and liberation from wickedness or your enemies that are desiring to destroy you. So I want to offer this here as we close. I mentioned before that we would, would find a few things in the Word. And, and uh, I mentioned the, the third thing we would find is how to get God into any situation or any circumstance. I want to set us free from a potential bondage of, of looking and searching and, and, and wondering for what God's way is in the situation. Because God's way isn't a what, rather it's a who. I want to give you a passage of scripture here from the Gospel of John. John chapter 14, verse 6. And you have to understand when these words were spoken, these words were understood. A people who had, had built their entire culture upon God making a way. A nation that wouldn't exist without God having split the sea and making a way right through the middle and swallowing up enemies. A, a, a nation that was founded upon God making a way heard these words and understood completely. And I want to ask God by your spirit, let us understand this morning the power of these words. John chapter 14 verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way. I'm the way. 
You want to know how to introduce the way into any situation that you're facing or dealing with? Introduce Jesus, period. He is the way. And all of his instruction and all of his counsel and all that is revealed will be holy, it will be pure, it will be right, it will be consistent. And though it might stretch and make the individual who is receiving move out of their comfort zone, it will lead them out of, ultimately, that which is destructive and into that which is redemption in all of its glory. Freedom from anxiety and fear, identity and purpose, to be those that are the possession of the Most High. I want to pray this morning. I want to ask you to stand with me, and I want to trust and believe God to do something great for us. I think it's very important to know and understand that as Christians, we're, we're simply not a group of people who are hung up on the past. I want to repeat that because I want everyone to hear it, especially the kids. As a Christian, it's not just about giving thanks to God for what he's done in the past. But everything that God's done in the past, he did so that you'll know what he can do for you today. That's what he said in the word. He said, I'll do these things. You, you, you might not even see them coming, but I'll do them. And the way he does these things is through Jesus. Jesus is the way. The source of holiness, the source of purity, the source of righteousness, the source of consistency that we all so desperately need to not be swept away by fear and by anxiety. I want to pray and I want to ask God to, to do a work in our hearts and in our minds this morning. That we would see Jesus as the way. That as he stood and he said, I am the way, we would receive that as a, a, an identification of our king. That he would become a, a more to us today based on revelation by the Holy Spirit than he was even this morning. And knew a greater depth of understanding. And it's not that Jesus increases in worth or value, rather it's that we begin to lean more and more on who he is. A greater awareness, a greater knowledge, a deeper conviction. And that we stand on that faithfulness, that God who promised to do new things, new things in your life and in my life, is faithful to fulfill that promise by making a way. I want to pray for us this morning. You're welcome to be in a state of receiving or agreement, however you choose. But I want to believe and trust God to do a great work by His Spirit in each one of us. Father, we bless your name and we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've made a way. We rejoice in King Jesus that he would enter into our lives and be the way. Let there be a renewal that would take place in our minds. And let there be a work performed in our hearts that we would see our King as the way. Let Jesus be the way. That we might be liberated from care and anxiety. That we might be liberated from fear. That we might walk in the full measure of redemption. There's no end to your glory manifest in and through our lives. And no matter what we face, no matter what we deal with, let faith rise in each one of us that we would stand with the knowledge of your faithfulness and your goodness that in Jesus you have made a way.
And let our hearts and minds not simply be given to celebrating the past. Though we be grateful, though we celebrate, let it be an example for our present and let it stir hope for our future. We give you thanks for this wonderful and powerful work that you've done on our behalf. And we rejoice and celebrate that we never have to be afraid because you love us, because you honor us, because we're precious in your sight. We bless your name and we thank you for this work. And we ask that as we live out our lives, walking in your way, be honored and be glorified, be exalted. And let each of our lives be a living work of evangelism, revealing to this world your glory. We bless your name and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. And all the saints declare, amen. amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.